And we're live. Well, not exactly, because by the time you hear this recording, it'll only be semi-live. But anyway. I'll be uh, December. <laughs> don't say that. We're going we're gonna to gradually get back on track as the season winds down, or the outdoor season winds down anyway. It's just been such a busy summer for us all. Uh, obviously, we are back with the trio, Dan, Kevin, and myself, uh, to do another podcast for the Adrenal Landscapes. And uh, actually, just a few minutes before we started, we were talking about shirts. So uh, a while ago, I was starting the kiosk at the backyard bird store, and I actually did some hand-painted ones. And then um, Kevin was just showing me a video of the, the shirts that they've done up with their nice Fescue Naturalization logo on it. And uh, yeah, so we're, we're getting a little more professional every time. <laughs> Yeah, hire us out and you might see them. Yeah. And then we'll start making <laughs> pants. <laughs> mm. What kind of pants, though? That's the question. Tight but pants. No. no. <laughs> That's an inside joke. You'd have to come out to our gym, find out about that. Um, yeah, so anyway, I guess we'll uh, continue on with uh, what everybody's been doing in the last few weeks. Uh, where to begin? Uh, we, me and Kevin had a project uh that we were working on that took a took a lot more it was probably our biggest project i think well, I yeah so. yeah uh, but no it was it was good um a lot of things learned and i don't know i think the client is very happy with what we did and nice. i mean they were always keen on um getting some native plants in their plant beds and there he had a whole bunch of like their their yards were pretty wild already but we kind of just <laughs> cleaned it up a little bit so it didn't look as wild um but added more native plants into it and yeah i think they were very happy and yeah we were happy with the end result too so refined wild <laughs> yeah <laughs> sure. and by refined i mean adding taking some <laughs> pruning some plants and putting some mulch down to kind of give it a cleaner look and putting some uh, uh, paving stones and whatnot. So, yeah. Nice. Awesome. And did you so do we that were... during the really hot, hot weather or did it cool? Was that when it cooled off a little bit? The, uh, there were a few days where it was pretty hot for us. Uh, and then I think we only had maybe one uh, good day where it was pretty cool, <laughs> I think. Um yeah, but for the, but I mean, we we started you know early mornings with the work, yeah. so yeah, it kind of it, it, the mornings we were happy about it, and kind of once it hit like noon, one o'clock, we we're like, oh, <laughs> is it getting hot? Is my sunscreen wearing off? No, it's yeah, it's just boiling hot. Yeah, I'm just melting. Uh, I think we better pick up the pace and get finished. <laughs> so, <laughs> kind of, yeah, I definitely yeah. had those thoughts. Well, that's like, I mean, as luck would have it. Um, we had planned to finally, because of the COVID restrictions lifting and Steve hadn't seen his family out east for quite some time, uh, we booked off just, just over a week to go out to Ontario. And sure enough, as soon as we leave, the heat sink moves in again and the neighbors are watering for us. And of course, they're back to watering like four hours a day. <laughs> I felt so <laughs> bad. So while we're out there, I'm like, I'm trying to find a gift or something to bring back. And... Uh, because we were around the George, South uh, Georgian Bay area mostly, and then a little bit down towards Toronto. Uh, believe it or not, we didn't have much time to try and get away to go sightseeing or, or looking at stuff. So there wasn't a whole, a whole lot to, uh, to bring back. But uh, I know Darla, she loves turtles and things. And 
there's probably about like nine different species of turtles out there. And we actually found at the Y Marsh, which I'll hopefully get into for the um, plant adventure guide in a bit. But um, we found these bumper stickers that said turtle crossing on it. We thought, well, there, that's something perfect for her. But other than that, we, <laughs> we didn't really find anything. Um, but it's funny about the shirts because I didn't realize one of Steve's uh, cousin's wives um, has a little uh, tie-dye shirt business. And I thought, ah, oh, down the road, maybe I can get her to ship out a bunch of her professionally tie-dyed shirts and then maybe get her different logos and stuff put on those or something. That'd be kind of cool. But, um, but yeah. Um, and of course, while we were out there, uh, it rained a portion of the time we were out there. Everything was green and rich out there. Uh, a few nights were actually a bit on the cool side. I know it's hard to believe, but it was true. And then as soon as we get on the plane to come back, oh, look, it's 30 something degrees back home again. <laughs> it's like, can we just everybody blow, blow all that rain and everything over this way? Yeah. Uh, it's just the way it That'd goes. Nice. It's usually opposite, opposite sides of the country or opposite weather, right? But, uh, but yeah, it was a good little vacation and I, I did get to see a few things. So, yeah. And how about you, Kevin? Um, well, I was going to talk about the big project, but Dan already mentioned that. But I want to add that we are now professional. Um, what's the word for that? The, the, the people that does edging? Edger? I don't know. Is there a word for that? <laughs> anyway, are you, we're are you certified we're edgers? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're certified now. Super professional. Flush with strong, super flat, smooth, like a botanical garden. Yeah. Nice. Um, <clears throat> well, what else? Not, not really. Today we, like we said, we we were doing the shirt, so we're, we're professional at printing t-shirts now. So, Dom, maybe you don't even need the tie-dye shirt from our East Support Local. Like your professional shirt printer is right here. Sure, sure, <laughs> sounds good. Yeah, these guys are yeah. one-stop shop. They do she it all. She sounds convinced. <laughs> yeah, and now um, we will be soon. We'll be selling our merchandise. It'll be like t-shirt caps, baseball caps, pants, whatever you can think of, we can do it. So I, I just feel like, well, this summer season, it's almost over, right? I don't know if it's too early to say. I just feel that doing, starting the own business, the thing is not, like sometimes the stuff you learn, it's the, the fun, it's not just from the stuff you're doing. For example, we're doing the landscaping design and making those landscapes. The th it is fun doing that, but the thing is that Sometimes you're doing something that's not directly related to that. For example, like just taking pictures and posting that on Instagram or just like making T-shirts and those stuff. Sometimes you find fun stuff like around it and it's... it's oh yeah, it's the experience, amazing. right? Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, it sounds like we've been having a, a fun time other than, yeah, it's it's pretty hot. Uh, we're actually hoping to finally go tubing on the Pembina this saturday because it's supposed to be like 34 or something but the uh funny part of that is we may have to actually pick up our flotation devices occasionally because the water's so low <laughs> it'll be interesting <laughs> feel free to come out and join us if you like um yeah it should be good but um yeah so if you like we can get started right into this i don't know who wants to start with a, a certain topic or a uh, green scene or plant adventure guide or whatever news you got going on. Um, 
Otherwise, I can jump I in. I just got I a green scene it. thing. You green? So. Okay, what's, we'll start with your green scene. What is the green scene for today? Uh, I found an article talking about, um, kind of relating back to one of our big topics when we were talking about uh, kind of pests, pest management pests. and whatnot. And yeah. And this one was talking about pest attack order uh, and how that changes uh, plant defenses. And this is out of the Washington State University uh, research. And when was this article? August 10th. So yesterday. Came out yesterday. Um, and basically what they were looking at was or trying to figure out determining um, if certain insects or certain pests attack a plant at certain times, how does the plant react differently uh, to those pests at different times? So with this particular study, they were looking at using uh, aphids, weevils, and a pathogen virus that's with the weevils. Like COVID? No, no. with the aphids. <laughs> no, with the aphids. Uh, but uh, yeah. looking at uh, pea plants as their kind of uh, research. Oh, our poor peas. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, they were looking at how the interaction of multiple pest species and their varying mechanisms for acquiring nutrients and materials from pea plants and kind of how that all comes together. So, yeah, the experiment included pea leaf weevils, some pea aphids, and pea ination mosaic virus. So it's just peeing everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Pee pee all over the place. I pee freely. Um, And and so what what kinds of things did they find out? So, yeah, the scenarios that they set up were uh, some plants began with the weevils and then followed by aphids uh, being released. And then some were the opposite. So aphids came first and then the weevils. And then some plants had, um, I mean, like the ones that did have the aphids. Uh, would usually have the virus along with them too. And then they also had ones that didn't have, had aphids, but not ones that had uh, uh, the virus strain with them. So those were kind of their main scenarios that they were uh, showing. And after the pests had gone through all the targeted groups, um, researchers looked at how the plants reacted to the pests and what the nutrient and hormone levels were uh, within those plants. And the results showed that um, plants attacked by the weevils first developed better resistance to pathogens, uh, reducing uh, the infection rates within those plants. Uh, But this also caused uh, the nutrition of the plants uh, to diminish. Uh, And then they get into the details, like because it's reducing the plants available amino acids and gets into all this other very sciencey stuff that don't need to get into, but basically that's kind of the gist of it for that particular group. So, So yeah, when weevils attacked first, they developed a better resistance to any uh, pathogens or viruses that the plant would get. But it also means that they were uh, nutritionally uh, deficient, or at least more so than normal. Uh, And then the plants that had aphids uh, attacking the plants first had less of that resistance to pathogens and were more prone to virus spread, which makes sense. Uh, And then the plants that had been affected by the virus had a greater resistance to the pests eating the plants through sending out uh, comp- compounds and other um, kind of like arrow. I don't know what the exact details were, but basically sending out things that uh, to deter the pests from eating them. Right. So, um, yeah, they were just kind of. That's kind of freaky. Yeah, actually. they just had all these different like because the, these were all the same pea plants mm-hmm. and they just and the, 
all these individual plants had their own mechanisms for depending on who like what the pecking order was <laughs> well yeah like i hadn't thought about that like sure i thought well over time some plants can build a resistance or you know how some um have certain things that repel pests or or whatever but to find out that if one pest gets to a plant first um the plant will do something different than if another pest gets to it first because then even though it may not help with the existing pest if something else comes along they're better suited to uh defend themselves against that so that's like whoa heavy stuff yeah so the study's still ongoing and there's so many other different studies i mean mainly this is looking at all the u.s uh research uh going on with this kind of broad uh, idea for uh, pest management, but they said, yeah, this this particular study is going on. There's other research going on, uh, and there's there's kind of a not an official, but kind of a collaborative effort from all these uh, places and research to kind of uh, look into. Oh, what did you guys find? Oh, we found this. Blah blah blah. Yeah. And kind of comparing, comparing uh, notes, notes and results in that way, and just kind of interesting how you know we're understanding this kind of very you know small segment out of the big uh you know grand scheme of you know the the environment um and all the interactions that are happening within that between you know pest plants other organisms involved and yeah just the environment as a whole well yeah i mean it's it's showing that it's it's much a much more complex relationship than we initially thought and almost that um i don't know how what else to describe it as but to a certain degree plants have a, a certain degree of intelligence if they're able to sense certain things going on and respond to them right so, mm-hmm. so maybe they can't like they can't physically run away, but they'll defend themselves and do react in other ways, which is really, really interesting. Wow. Yeah. And then basically, like, I think the one of the big things, reasons why they want to kind of have this research continue to go and whatnot is there's a big push for as kind of these rates of pests, pest infestations happening with uh, crops. Uh, yeah, these farmers were looking for uh, ways to try to help mitigate that and mm-hmm. <laughs> not lose as much of their crops. So, yeah, that was kind of this is one way to kind of help and look to see okay how can farmers better uh, deal with uh, pest management. So if they think like okay, well if we treat you know it like you know if we're going to get pests regardless, if we have particular pests, if they at least eat part of our crop first because you know it's inevitable or whatever then maybe we have a better chance at, you know, making sure that this other pests that come in after uh, don't uh, hit the plants as hard or something. But mm-hmm. anyway, that's still right. up for yeah. a lot of research. Oh, that's pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah. And that was, uh, where was that article from? That was out of, or it was on Science Daily, but the research Science came Daily. out of yeah. uh, Was- Washington State University. I love Science Daily. That's actually where... Uh, my my green scene is from today too um mine has to deal with sunlight and chemicals so i like those things yeah well depending on which (laughs) end of the spectrum you're on um but no things like again this summer with the the algae blooms in other years runoff getting into water like there's all kinds of of chemical toxins and everything that get into our water systems right and what they're finding is uh, this is through the uh, Michigan State uh, researchers. So they're fine. They they now understand that 
yes, sunlight helps break down chemicals and water bodies, but now what they want to do is take it a step further and find out how quickly this happens, which chemical, it kind of sounds like along the lines of your plants and your pests. Well, we know it happens, but now to what degree and which ones and all this kind of thing. So they've actually developed a model now that calculates how particular chemicals break down in surface water. So that'd be your, you know, your lakes, your rivers, any, basically anything that's above ground. Um, and they've found out some interesting things. I mean, some observational things. Most water is not the pristine crystal clear, clear blue that you see in a swimming pool or the Caribbean. It's actually brown or yellow. And this is because of the tannins released from the plant materials that get deposited in the water. Um, but these materials are what absorbs the sunlight and creates what they call singlet oxygen, which is the, um, uh, the compound that degrades uh, contaminants or, or breaks down contaminants. So in your pristine blue swimming pool, you're actually not going to have the breakdown of these contaminants versus the water that you can't see to the bottom of is <laughs> probably going to have it happen uh, a lot quicker or better, which is interesting. But that's why I guess if you look at a true ecosystem of water, even though it may be discolored, it looks, it still looks clean and clear, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So you can still see the bottom. It's just that it looks, you know, brown or something at the bottom. But um, anyway, so they tested a hundred different organic compounds to find out how long it would take to degrade one specific structure of a contaminant to half of the concentration that it initially had. And uh, I won't go again, I won't go into the details either because that's a hundred different compounds they tested, but um, what they I found hear is, them all. yeah, what they found is this sing, basically this singlet oxygen um, it's it's the the compound responsible for uh, basically cleaning the water, and it's it's a uh, formed by a process of the sunlight hitting the water into the plant material, the tannins, this whole process. But it's a natural process. Uh, but they're like, oh, okay, if we can harness this, though, they can actually use that same singlet oxygen to do things like disinfect pathogens so they could use it in the medical profession. They could use it for treating drinking water to to clean and purify it. They could use it for treating wastewater. They could use it for clearing up these, well, especially in a year like this, where the temperatures are hot and everything, we're getting those algae blooms in our water bodies. They can clear up the algae blooms with it. So it's got a lot of um, different potential purposes. Um, And of course, the rate of this... uh, process is determined by partly you know various things like how much sunlight is the water body getting how large the water body is and what is the makeup of the water body because you know a river will react differently than a lake or a a swamp or whatever right um yeah like you kind of have to have certain conditions for yeah to get enough well and as um as they find out more information they'll find out maybe which of these is the better system to mimic in a commercial setting, um, how, how everything works and all that kind of stuff. But it's uh, very promising that something that's already a, nat- a natural process 
could potentially be utilized to produce clear, clean water, you know, and remove all the toxins and everything from it. So that would be cool instead of ironically treating your water with chemicals and stuff in order to make it drinkable. Sounds kind of weird, but that's basically what a lot of what they do now. Um, so yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I don't know if you have any further thoughts on that or not, but, uh, well, I was just curious, like, sorry if I missed it, but like, did they say how they capture the oxygen? Oh, um, they were just talking about the, the basic, you know, that they tested all these different compounds and were finding out how long it took to degrade and that this process happened in these different water bodies and this is why, but I didn't get any numbers. Um, I didn't get any specific processes or anything like that. I'm sure there's a, you know, some, somewhere there's a big, huge scientific paper that's either uh, that written or in it, the probably, works because yeah. it might, this was probably not uh, finished uh, research either. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm sure if somebody dug into it further, they could find out a little bit more, but just on the surface level, I thought that was pretty cool that um, they find this process can do these things. And again, it's another natural process. So everything, really everything that we have stems from mother nature, right? It's just that we find a way to harness it, uh, amplify it so we can do high production or something with it and uh, control it. And then that's what happens, right? But uh, every, it's just amazing how many processes go on around us all the time and it's all natural. Yeah. That's really cool though. That, yeah, they just found this kind of compound to <laughs> deal with reducing other compounds. <laughs> yeah. Just in, happening in nature, just through natural processes. And then, yeah, just looking at how, how you can get the different, um, I mean, yeah, it's still ongoing research, but you know, looking at a lake body versus a river body and how you can harvest these things that are already happening naturally in these different, you know, water, yeah, uh, and, and I'm sure it's going to evolve yeah, that's to really how cool. can they duplicate that in a lab setting so that they can, again, do the high production of treating water and stuff, right? Maybe they could use this kind of a system in a water treatment plant or something like that, right? So, Because mm -hmm. um, that, be that's something that I saw in the news recently was, um, yeah, how are you trying to um, re not reuse, but clean up... Uh, um like wastewater to a certain extent well i think specifically they were looking at like dugouts and whatnot but using you know process like phytoremediation and whatnot to have plants naturally you know with floating islands you know throw them out there and have them naturally kind of yeah. uh, clean up the waterways in that way so that you know we're saving this water because as they were saying as we we're <laughs> as we got that un <laughs> climate change report like uh, we're <laughs> we're in uh dangerous times right now so Mm -hmm. Trying to figure out ways to uh, conserve as much water as we can uh, is going to be beneficial. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then that brings me to uh, the Plant Adventure Guide. Um, now, I realize this isn't within our province. Normally, we try to stay fairly local, but this is still Canadian. <gasps> and Scandalous. I know. But I figured because we just... <laughs> <laughs> I figured because we'd just gone out there, um, I'd go over this place because if somebody does get to travel and it is still within Canada, it's pretty cool. And it also, there's some comparisons between us and, and Ontario, um, but also some things that are a little bit different. So anyway, uh, one of the things we were able to do while we were out in Ontario 
is we got to go see the Y Marsh, that's a W-Y-E, Marsh Wildlife Center, which is on the south shore of Georgian Bay, which is on uh, the south section of Lake Huron, which is a big freaking lake. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, it's, it was, it's pretty cool because it's been around since 1968 and it's very large. Like, I think it's something like, uh, it's over 3000 acres, this Jeez. marsh, uh, which, I mean, a lot of the, the, the little, uh, nature areas and stuff around here that I know of, they're more like a few hundred acres. So it puts that in perspective. Um, I realize Ontario is a bigger province and they have more people like per capita there. And so there's probably also more money that they can use to uh, develop these kind of natural areas and maintain them and everything too. But uh, some of this stuff that I saw here, it'd be nice if our natural areas could start working towards that because I think it would really help them become a lot more self-sustaining. Um, but Anyway, so one of the things they did is it used to be uh, a layover place for the trumpeter swans, which became pretty much extinct um, back, geez, I don't know when it was, in the 70s, 80s there. But uh, they had one pair that they named uh, Big Guy and Lady Girl. Don't ask me, I didn't name them. Uh, and they had the first uh, signet that was hatched out that they called pig pen. <laughs> I'm like, that doesn't sound like a very good name for a swan, but I'm sure there was a reason. Um, actually, pig pen, her big claim to fame is she was probably the most repeat injured, whatever swan of all times. She'd been shot. She'd, I think, been poisoned. She'd been like, but she kept, uh, they kept rescuing her and rehabilitating her and all this kind of stuff. But she went on to become the mother of many other swans or whatever and kind of like a, a pinnacle part of this whole rehabilitation program and that became the focus of developing this whole uh natural area because of course people like pretty bird things so it started to generate a lot of interest and everything uh but they developed from there they've got an interpretive center they've got picnic facilities they've got a gift shop um Ooh. they've got cabins that people can rent out for you know, overnight camping, that kind of thing. They've got an exhibit hall, which actually has a few live specimens. These are all animals that have been rescued and can't be re released back into the wild. So mm -hmm. because of injury or whatever. Um, so they're great for education. Uh, they've got a video theater. They've got a lunch room. Um, they've got a really cool rental system. Like they will rent out snowshoes, cross-country skis, kick sleds, mountain bikes all-terrain wheelchairs, binoculars, GPS systems, all this kind of stuff. They normally, it, it was, it's still, they're kind of one step behind us. So they're still wearing their masks in public settings and everything. So some of their uh, facilities aren't open with the COVID restrictions yet. So when we were out there, they didn't have the guided canoe and kayak tours, but normally they would have those as well, which is really cool because I always thought it'd be really cool to be like kayaking through marsh, like wetland area. Um, oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Pets are welcome as long as they're on leash. There's 25 kilometers of trails in uh, both woodland, boardwalk, marsh areas, kind of all over everywhere. 
because they do have multiple ecosystems in the area. So that's cool. They've got a ginormous lookout tower that's probably a couple stories tall. So when you climb up there, you can stand on it and look out and you can see like for miles and miles and miles, the one way looking all out at the marsh or turn around, look into the woodland area. So that's kind of cool. Um, they have a big turtle hatchling emergence event in the fall that you can uh, watch or possibly participate in. Cause they have, I think it's something ridiculous, nine species of, of turtles or whatever I think out there. Uh, whereas BC, I think only has one or two and we've got none. <laughs> So, so the turtle thing was kind of cool. And they've got a lot of other wildlife. We have no turtles? I don't think we have any native turtles here because uh, they need a, a warmer painted, climate. Uh, there's some western painted thing, isn't that? I don't know. I guess we'll have to look it up because I thought that was only into BC. But I know if you go far enough south, we do have a couple of lizards. Like we got, we actually do mm -hmm. have a couple of those. And of course the snakes, but I didn't think we had any turtles, but... I could be I could be wrong. Please stand I think me Ben, you're right. So uh, the Western painted turtle, it's native to Alberta, but it's only uh, you can only find them at the very southeast corner of the province. Oh yeah, I see. yeah, they're pretty rare, <laughs> but uh, here at least. But yeah, yeah. I, thought, I, thought we, I thought we at least had one. South southern Alberta. That's it. Oh, actually, you you are correct. So they do say the painted turtle is the Painted turtle. Painted turtle is the only turtle species native to Alberta, but it is, yeah, like it's really southern, really on the border there, and really hard to come across. So, but yeah, that's, so that's cool. I mean, I knew that, that there were, like, there is um, horned lizards native to Alberta and mm -hmm. a few things like that, but yeah, I, I did not know that they were actually living in a part of Alberta. But yeah, other than that though, that's the only one whereas like Ontario has the snapping turtles and the um the painted turtles, the sliders that like it's like freaking crazy how many turtles they have. Um and lots of different amphibians and stuff too, but but anyway, it is a different part of the country. Like they're they're probably a whole zone different than us, maybe even in some parts, a zone and a half different than us, which makes a big difference. And especially around those big water bodies that can retain heat and create humidity and everything, right? But yeah, this place was really cool. Um, I liked the fact that it was so vast and had um, a lot of different things, but also some things comparable. Like there were invasive species in this nature area as well. Um, just like we have invasive species here too. And they're, ha they're running programs trying to uh, control them, but they're also promoting some of the rarer species that they've got out there and the native species as well. Like it was cool to see something like the eastern white uh, um, cedar and that kind of thing. Or cedar? Eastern white. I think it was eastern white cedar. Because I'm used to seeing red cedars out BC way and stuff, right? But, um, but yeah, it was just... I, I hope that uh, Alberta over time can develop some of their nature areas. We've got some beautiful areas, don't get me wrong, and we've got lots of nice trails and that kind of thing. But to be able to get more of something like these uh, uh, more up-to-date interpretive centers, things more engaging, maybe like that overnight cabin idea thing, it sounds really cool. 
uh, especially now that they're charging for everywhere you go to go camping. <laughs> and I've got mixed feelings on that and I won't get into the politics of that. But, uh, but yeah, no, it was, it was really nice. So I do recommend that if somebody is going out east to Ontario and they are around uh, Georgian Bay, the Lake Huron area, try check out uh, the Weimarsh Wildlife Center. Do it. Do it. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And uh, hey, you know what? I totally forgot to mention. What I mean, I know you guys know, but I didn't say anything about. Um, so it was my birthday yesterday and it's, it's really oh, hard. To, yeah. Woo. I'm just older. Yay. <laughs> Uh, it's really hard to get people together for my birthday because it's during the summer, whatever, anyway, let alone during COVID and whatever. But I was very impressed with my son because he used his own hard-earned money and took me out to dinner. So that wow. was that was really exciting was, for me. So I was and half right. Half right? Yeah, I said he's going to cook you steak. Did he buy oh, you yeah. steak? No, actually, this is going to be hilarious for you, but he took me for Chinese food. <laughs> but we do like Chinese food. It's good stuff. I know the stuff here a lot of times is not like your stuff from home, but uh, it's, we still like it. It was pretty good. Um, And we were supporting, we were supporting local because we went to a place that's right in Stony Plain and it's uh, things are just starting to open up. So it's one of the few times we've gone out to a restaurant since COVID. So, so that was nice. And actually they, uh, they offered him a job. (laughs) which was really funny too because he was clearing really? the table and boxing up the leftovers and bagging it up to take home. And the lady comes over and says, Oh wow, you should apply here. Cause you could probably get a few hours in on weekends or something. <laughs> I was like, Oh, that'd be awesome. But he doesn't live here all the time. So yeah. Anyway, but anyway, that was cool. I know I was pressed and, and, and Steve got me a, uh, uh, tablet, which I, of course I really need for the jamming, right? Because I can't remember words at all. So, so that was really nice. Yeah, I, I guess uh, if, unless there's anything else anybody's got to say, any takers? Uh, no? no, no, not really. Okay. Well, 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 I want to say something, but well, you mentioned the the why is it the why why uh, marsh in Ontario yeah. and. Well, I would say like, well, the, the stuff that's happening in Alberta, well, of course, we are in Alberta, so people don't care about like conservation, those stuff that much. But I don't know if you yes, guys do. Went to, <laughs> yeah, us, we do, yeah. yeah. Um, have you been to Bunchberry? Bunchberry, no, Natural that's that's areas? another one on my bucket list. Okay, yeah, so we went to that place uh, last did? weekend. Yeah, it was actually uh, did- pretty it was it was run by con um what was that place um nature conservancy yeah something like that and it was very nice because we went there and then we parked the vehicle and there was actually a lady standing there with like a booth or something like that just Mm -hmm. standing there like talking to people about like the stuff they are doing and then they even asked us they said oh when you come out can you like do a survey quick survey or something like that well i was like it was a very nice place and then i was i was going to ask them about like if we can uh, come and collect seed or like transplant some stuff because you have like overly like abundance of raspberry anyways but when i went out like she was gone and then she just left like a paper for survey on the windshield so but there's an email on it so i might just email that person and be like yeah. hey uh, well and i also doing- i also yeah. know uh cherry from the native plant society like they uh they do some uh planting and care and maintenance at bunchberry as well so 
Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, she keeps talking about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I really want to go out and see that place because I haven't seen that one before. And uh, there's just there's there are so many of these little places all over the place that I want. Like I haven't gone to uh, Glory Hills apparently has a really nice uh, wetland area. And there's just so many, but I can only get to so many, at you know, in a season, it seems like. So, like, I'll be going to the Clifford E. Nature Sanctuary. Mm, that one's uh, good. I'll be going I to like that, that one, one in on the 21st, I guess, to do a, a nature hike there. And I can tell you how dry it is when I go there, because that's the other sad thing is so many of these places have dried up right now. Hope for rain. Lots of rain. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, it'll be great to get out to more of these places we still need to go do something our whole group too yeah awesome all right well on that note uh i guess that catches us up for uh for this episode and we'll do our best to uh get another one out in or like record another one in in another few weeks and uh i'm sure that it won't be long before unfortunately the summer goes by and then we'll be able to get back to our regular weekly schedule but in the meantime uh, bear with us because it's busy. Got lots of planting and stuff to do still. And uh, yeah, uh, keep up with the plants. Don't worry about the the heat and everything so much because our, our native plants are more suited to it. So if you've been thinking about doing a project or something, call up the guys here and we can get you some plants and we, we can get something planted still. It's not too late. Uh, these plants, they can go right in, right up until frost and established ones are actually quite hardy with this uh kind of weather that uh might decimate some of your other pr- traditional plants 